We have two papers. Woo! I don't get it. I Don't Get It, a podcast about performances in Yagmonton. <laughs> Yagmonton. Edmonton nice. Yag. I'm Fonda. I'm Paul. And we are proud to be part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. And it is, the summer is in swing, Fonda. Yes, it is warm and humid. And stormy, which is the best part of the prairies. It's been, yeah, last two shows we've seen have had thunder underscoring them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and just because it's the summer and we're sort of in the lead up to the fringe, doesn't mean there isn't a couple things going on. Uh, and we caught uh, both the importance of being earnest over at Teatro La Quindicina as part of their, their summer-long season. Uh, and uh, we also caught Miss Caitlin's Grade 3's Prepare for the Inevitable. Ooh, sounds foreboding. Truly, truly <laughs> was. Uh, yeah, so where do, where do you want to start? Well, let's start with the first one that we saw, which sure. was the importance of being earnest. Mm-hmm. So do you know anything about this play, Paul? Yeah, I, I saw it in high school. You know, it's one of those it's one of those like classic plays that you you have many opportunities to read, but but few to see in like a professional setting like this. So I, I've seen a, a high school production up in Fort McMurray represent uh, <laughs> a long time ago. You guys, Paul went to school in Fort McMurray. What a place. <laughs> uh, yeah. And uh, but you know, never a professional uh, production. Uh, no knocks on the high school version, but, uh, you know, never seen a, a professional company tackle this. And and sort of, we were talking after the show, like, what company other than Teatro would tackle something like this today? Yeah, like, I'm not, I, I mean, I wonder if the Citadel would take on something like this. I mean, so it's an Oscar Wilde play mm-hmm. written in the very late 1800s. Sure. Um, and I think that, you know, I'm... You would think that it would seem super dated. And mm-hmm. the way that Teatro did the production was very true to form. The costumes were period, the set was period, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Um, right down to the cucumber sandwiches. And how. <laughs> have you have you seen uh, Ernest before, Fonda? I've never seen a production uh... of this before. Um, I mean, I've, of course, heard of some of the famous lines and things right, like right, that. Right. Um, Lady Bracknell is kind of, uh, you know, archetypal character type mm-hmm. that you kind of get thrown uh, at, the, you know, gets thrown into lots of fun things uh, in comedy and, you know, theater school. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, and to, to note, uh, the role of Lady Bracknell was played by Leona Browson, mm-hmm. um, who is just uh, searingly <laughs> mean and funny in this role. Truly um, unflinching in, in the truest of ways. Yeah, um, yeah, you know, she plays a very wealthy, uh, like, a, a you know, a wealthy woman who is... Uh, uh, well, let's set up the characters. Who are the characters in the show? Sure, uh, there are many of them. So Mark Muir and Ron Peterson are playing the um, the two sort of main roles, the drivers um, of the plot. Right. Mark Muir is Jack Worthing, and Ron Peterson is Algernon Moncrief. Which I thought was um, hilarious. They are all using uh, these English accents, so when they call Algernon's uh, nickname is LJ. Um, like yeah, the stuff that grows in a lake. You truly, know. <laughs> truly. Um, yeah, and so it's sort of people, you know, setting up uh, people wanting to marry, marry people, but there's there's issues of status and and class and and title and and you know, uh, Algernon is taken to what he calls bunburying, which is when he uh, both of them have been, but Algernon has a name for it, mm-hmm. where he's invented uh, a relative uh, in the for him in the city. Uh, for uh, for Jack in the country, um, no, the other way around. 
so they can sort of go back and forth uh, and <laughs> yeah. sort of like make excuses to get out of social social engagements um, because of the society they were in where, you know, you needed a good excuse to get out. Yeah. And so, you know, um, plot, <laughs> plot and confusion abounds. And um, the two uh, female characters in the play uh, or main roles played by Shannon Blanchett, uh, who plays Cecily, mm-hmm. and um, Louise Lambert, who is fantastic in this role, um, who plays, what was Louise, what was the other one's name? Gwendolyn. Gwendolyn, Gwendolyn right. Gwendolyn Fairfax. Um, yeah, they, uh, they eventually end up meeting and find out that for some reason they're both engaged to a man named Ernest. Mm-hmm. And they've, of course, never met each other, you know. It's... It, it, it's all about the setup. It's a lot about kind of like some hijinks and actually just right. like super slapstick stuff that happens on yeah. the stage. And it's sort of about Oscar Wilde like verbosedly dunking on everyone around. Like everyone is saying just like the pithiest, wittiest, quippiest like sentences uh, imaginable. Yeah. Um, it's like there's like, they're knocking on people who are educated, mm-hmm. who are wealthy, who uh, are religious, you know, all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So what what do you think we're supposed to take away from a play like this? I think we're supposed to have a good old chortle. Um, <laughs> you know, the tagline Teatro has, has gone for with this is a trivial comedy for serious people. Um, and that's it. It's like they're very, they're all very like self-absorbed in, in their own way or, or self-important. Uh, but they're very, very silly to watch them actually interact. And so it feels like at the time it was probably some some good old fun like... Uh, punching down, like, look at these high-class idiots run around mm-hmm. um, and, and confuse each other and deceive each other and, and fall in love with each other and all of these things. Um, yeah, but I think the comedy is such a... It's such a, like, a societal comedy of, of its time. But, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of that humor holds up surprisingly well. Yeah. What did you think of the way that they chose to stage it, like, keeping it really true to era and things like that? Yeah, like, I don't know if I, I need the, like, the gritty reboot of Oscar Wilde. <laughs> like, I think, uh, I think if you're going to do it, I think it makes sense to keep it, period. Um, just because of, like, all of these characters make sense in their, their own little bubble. And I don't know that, like, switching that bubble to a more contemporary setting. It, you could do it, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, like, it just makes sense to see it in that way. I don't, as an audience member, be like, oh, I wish wish someone had an iPhone on stage. I wish they yeah, were texting about this. Where are there some projections of Lady Bracknell? <laughs> right, as a foreboding ghost. Uh, what about you? What were things that stood out for you about the, about the way it was staged and, and what we saw? I mean, mostly I think I was uh, impressed with the performances. There's there's a lot of verbosity in this mm-hmm. play, um, and it's very quick. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, you really have to be, you really kind of, even as an audience member, have to be kind of like listening and following to make sure that you understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but also so that you catch everything, because everything is actually quite, funny yeah um even like every single line it almost kind of like at a certain point got a little bit exhausting because mm-hmm. there was just kind of like that you know like that just like punch right at the end of like everything anybody ever said right um well, on that note there were uh, two intermissions uh yes. but i thought it was it was uh interesting in that uh and effective in in that they were all very short acts it wasn't like we were going through like a four-hour show with two intermissions it was just like yep this is Scene, you know, these are the scenes set in the city. Now we got to go to the country. Now we've got to resolve everything we've set up. And having those little like nuggets of of time between sort of kept it 
kept the acts themselves very punchy. Yeah, it was nice, nice and tight, and it didn't. It definitely didn't feel like a long show. And by the time they get to the, um, you know, the reveal at the end, there's sure. like, you know, like the big thing that gets reveals revealed. plural. <laughs> yes, yes, mm-hmm. all of the things. Um, then you know, yeah, you feel that there's a great payoff and it's fun, and you walk into the night and it's mm-hmm. it's just like you feel, oh yeah, that was that was a great show. I don't think that it's a show that really is meant to stick with you too hard um, or too much, like in terms of you know, lessons learned or anything no, like that. Like the lessons learned are real, real loose at best. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But in any case, um, I think that the, the rap ends up this week. So that's sort of the last show you get to see it <laughs> anyway. Sure. But yeah. Um, all right. Well with that, um, I think we're going to go and do our first ad. On this month's episode of the Well Endowed Podcast, the ECF team heads down by the river. There's a rafting adventure through the river valley with the River Watch Institute of Alberta and a trip to Horlack Park to hear about the Freewill Shakespeare Festival's 30th anniversary. They also chat with Beth Dart and Elise Jason about On the Margin, a site-specific play also held in the river valley that debuted at the Found Festival earlier this month. To listen, head to thewellendowedpodcast.com. Cool. All right. Great ad. Yeah. Uh, uh, great. And so so the second thing we saw was Miss Caitlin's Grade 3's Prepare for the Inevitable, which is by Tiny Bear Jaws, uh, a company uh, that's been around for a little while and doing a couple shows. Cleave, we saw earlier this season, which was another script by uh, playwright Elena Bellier, who was also the the playwright and uh, and solo, mostly solo performer of, of this show. Yeah, so so what is the what's the setup for Miss Caitlin? Who are, um, who are, who is Miss Caitlin in these grade threes? Sure. Well we are all grade three class B. Um, and Miss Caitlin is it's the last day of school and Miss Caitlin is giving us a very important lesson on uh, safety. A lesson that she stresses can get her into a lot of trouble uh, if we don't if we don't promise not to tell anyone about it. Uh, and from there, it's it's a play that really gets into this very interesting line of, of comedy and unease uh, as it looks at uh, the culture that's developed around schools and school shootings mm-hmm. and and how we process those and how we try and think about safety and, and some of the ridiculousness that we go through to avoid obvious answers. <laughs> Yeah, be my projection onto it. Um, <laughs> yeah, so you know, Miss um, Caitlin, who's played by Elena Bellier herself, um, is is teaching her students these six steps on how to prepare mm-hmm. for a hypothetical shooting. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it starts off like you know, the first three steps are are, are well, especially the first step is quite silly mm-hmm. um you know it's about learning your vocabulary right we are a grade three class yeah yeah mm-hmm. what is a gunman <laughs> and, and you know and then and then she starts it gets a little deeper and darker and there's right. this sort of like audible drone that's playing throughout mm-hmm. that you know kind of adds to that sense of foreboding like this is actually not just like a bright and cheery lesson that's happening even though she's playing it that way right 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 um but then you know she starts talking about profiling and right. goes who, into... who in the classroom uh, would be, you know, who most likely statistically to be a shooter and things like that. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, there was a little bit, um, 
it was a little bit shocking to see her point out, you know, certain students or like take a take a jab at the student who can't tie his shoes yet or, right, right, you know, right. things like that. We happened to be watching the show with a couple of parents mm. um, and, you know, they were kind of just like, I don't think that a teacher would ever do that. But it's a play, right? So, right, you know. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So what did you what did you think of the lessons we learned, Fonda? What did you think of uh, and sort of broaching this in that framework of sort of like. Uh, immersive, I use loosely in the sense of like, we are that class, it's sort of direct address. Uh, the first couple rows do have name tags, so these people are specifically sort of noted mm-hmm. um, as different members of that class. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so what sort of stands out about having that lesson or that idea, all those ideas pushed to us in that way? Um, I think that it was it was sort of interesting in that, you know, we uh, you sort of fall into a very obedient role automatically. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. she she has this kind of idea of like the quiet coyote, which is just a little hand puppet right. that she uses. But the audience totally buys in. You know, you are she is your teacher. You're there to listen to her. Mm-hmm. So there's just kind of like this trust, I think, that you hand over to her automatically. Mm-hmm. You're just kind of like, OK, you know, we're in school. And because we've all sat in school before, you just sort of like fall into it naturally. Right. There's a, there was a roll call and, you know, some people said here, some people said present, you know, mm. all the jokesters. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so I, I think that, you know, that, that just sort of like initial sense of like, yeah, you know, we're here, we're here. Like, yes, we're seeing a show, but also we're in a very familiar setting. Um, it feels it feels childlike because, mm-hmm. you know, there's like a puppet show, which was brilliantly done <laughs> and timed. Um, do you want to explain a little bit about the puppet show? Uh, you know, we just learned a lesson about uh, about sloth and and working <laughs> hard, but also being mindful and being on the watch for predators at all times without <laughs> without giving it away. That seems. Yeah. Yeah. Way. I think that we're this show will probably come back in and. Uh, other forms, many forms, mm-hmm. probably. Yeah, yeah there's but... a there's a French version that that has been uh, had a run in Montreal as well, and it is previously a fringe show a couple fringes ago. Yeah, so I mean, it feels you know like this sort of like playful, childlike. There's a lot there. There are jokes, you know, so it's mm-hmm. you're laughing and stuff. And then all of a sudden, you know, kind of halfway through, you realize that this Miss Caitlin is not doing so great. Right. Right. Personally, right. yeah. There's there's a lot there's a lot going on and a lot of stress. Um, going on and yeah it really starts to focus on those ideas of like how is this affecting us how is this like constant bombardment of hearing about all of this violence and it happening in schools Um, Mm -hmm. you know how does that really uh, affect us and affect the people and, and who are supposed to look after children and people in that situation yeah and I mean you know, we all know that teachers teachers get stressed out as it is, oh, yeah. and, and teachers are people. But this one, you know, it kind of it kind of took it a, a, that extra step further, where she starts sort of disclosing to the classroom that you know she's seeing a therapist and all of this sort mm-hmm. of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, it I, I think it kind of like it does just jump out of that realistic bound right I think. of course yeah um but there's also that kind of like overall understanding that what the culture of uh you know there's there, there's the culture of fear part where there's you're bombarded with all this information mm-hmm. all the time but there's also that kind of like but what can i do how can i be better prepared how can right, i right, prepare right. these kids mm-hmm. um and they're really good questions to ask um and in the yeah i don't want to give away the ending yeah, at all no, but like it's mm-hmm. it's um you're you're left with there's there's not a lot of great resolution. There's still questions that are up in the air about right. it. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, earlier on, under everyone's seats, when you come in, there's a school shopping list which gets pulled out, which sort of uh, looks at real products that are available 
Um, things like bulletproof backpacks, which come in a variety of colors. Yeah, you know? for, and they are like they have like a nine hundred dollar price tag. Right, right. But these like <laughs> these horrifying things that are just like, how is this real? But of course it is. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. And I, I guess I appreciated that. Uh, I haven't seen much theater as contemporary as a lot of what Tiny Bear Jaws has mm. been doing and sort of its focus and its um, interests and its content. Uh, and so this felt very pertinent. This is still happening, of course, um, in, in the worst of ways. Uh, and so it's cool to see theater sort of addressing these things that are super contemporary, uh, mm-hmm. as opposed to Ernest, which is like a real good romp through yeah. the past. We're not talking about anything important. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but being Ernest is important. We'll, right. we'll remind you, remember <laughs> that part. Truly. Um, so we, saw, we also saw, uh, the Miss Caitlin performance that we saw was also the, um, ASL, mm-hmm. uh, interpretive performance. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so there was an interpreter on stage. Uh, yeah. And, you know, uh. I don't really know what to say about it. Well, how would you contrast it or compare it to some of the other ASL work that we've seen? Because Pretty Goblins sure. uh, was the last one that we mm-hmm. got to see. You know, ASL per- ASL performances are usually on specific nights, and we right, kind right, of, right. like, lucked out. We're like, oh, it's the ASL one. Right. Um, and I always, you know, I, I think I mentioned before, I always kind of find it a little bit interesting, you know, like, um, the, the interpreter really is a character on the mm-hmm. stage as well. Their expression and everything is very similar to the performer. Right, right, right. Um, and I always, like, try to try and catch the vocab of you know sure, yeah, certain, what the main performer signs. is saying um but this one was a lot more i feel um uh and maybe also because it was a very uh kind of like a stationary play it was yeah, like yeah, in yeah. one room not a lot of space to move mm-hmm. around in um but be, to compare it to the pretty goblins one sure. where it felt like it was like actually very choreographed right into mm-hmm. the right into the plot of the show mm-hmm. um yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like I feel like Pretty Goblins remains the high water mark of of using ASL interpretation that I've seen with with uh, with theater. Um, but yeah, yeah, this one just had person on stage uh, in this sort of small zone uh, doing doing their thing. Yeah. Okay. All right. And so um, with that, that was Miss Caitlin's grade three's prepare for the inevitable. Um, we're gonna go straight into our other ad. This month, The Undead joins the Alberta Podcast Network family. A blunt and goofy take on being a parent in this bizarro modernity, The Undead comes to your ears courtesy of writer, performer, and father of two, Trent Wilkie. You may have heard him on I Don't Get It Before. A recent episode features a rousing conversation with Elena Porter about the joys and challenges of being an actor and parent. To find out more about The Undead and all of APN's podcasts, visit albertapodcastnetwork.com. All right. So, well, there was something else that happened this week, Paul. Yeah. Um, what happened that, you know, you pick up your, your View Weekly sure. on the street? What's, sure. What's different? Uh, View's gotten rid of its listings um, uh-huh. and replaced them with sort of like a picks, like an editor's uh, editor's picks. A couple of weeks ago, View sort of put a call out on, the, on their social medias to sort of get input about what they were wanted to do with listings and what they wanted people to do with listings. Uh, and that was, uh, I guess what they either got feedback to do or, or have chosen to do mm-hmm. thoughts. Fonda? Yeah. Well, you know, what was interesting, one of the, um, one of the things that came up fairly consistently in those, uh, um, uh, information and ch- chat sessions with the Edmonton Arts Council okay. on their 10-year arts and heritage cultural plan mm-hmm. um, was that, you know, everyone just kind of like, you know, there's no real good place for people to go and find out what's going on. Sure. Um, and that was kind of like a consistent complaint. 
Um, about everything that's going about on. About everything, right? Mm-hmm. You know, Edmonton is not super great at organizing shit for people in a, like, a meaningful, readable way. Right. Particularly when it comes to people who are visiting the city, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, think of what you do when you're traveling, right? Like, I, I always try and find, like, either the Alt Weekly or, you know, the major listings mm-hmm. paper and just, like, pick it up, just see what's playing. Sure, yeah. You know, like, Time Out New York is actually just a listings magazine. Right. <laughs> so, you know, um... I think that it's, uh, now that we only have one weekly, Mm -hmm. I can't, I don't know, um, you know, maybe Gig City is listing all of the stuff, but there's not a really great repository for all of Edmonton, particularly when it comes to performing arts. Right, right, right. There isn't, uh, there isn't a whole lot, there isn't like a one-stop shop. There's sort of like... Uh, now view which would sort of like focus on whatever the editors are, are choosing to highlight um and there are some things like the theater uh alberta website or that which have sort of piecemeal parts of of listings but yeah there isn't really a a place to just scan and be like what's what's everything going on here yeah uh, and and you know what's difficult about it is that i don't know who should do it right um because you know I used to be the listings editor at C Magazine. That was my that was my first media job. Sure, yeah. Um, and it, it well, it taught me number one. It taught me all of the stuff that's going on in the city. Mm -hmm. Like I could, you know, like I was like a yellow pages for people who were traveling here. Um, but it, you know. This complaint that, like, there's no good spot, like, well, who's going to do it? Because it costs money and, it, and it's time consuming and, you know. Right. And, and I mean, even if we're to just, like, really try and do dance and theater, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, like, through our channel, mm-hmm. like, and we're, we're going to try and do that. Sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but that's, you know, that's still just kind of like, it's, there's... Um, you know, where's who's putting the value in it? Right. Um, is there is there enough of like what we're hearing back from audience members that they need that? Right. I mean, then that's the thing. Like, uh, you solicited some feedback. I'm sure they got some on on what to do with it. And I wonder, uh, you know, as like print media truncates mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, there are the questions of like, well, what's important? What do people pick up the paper for? And and I wonder how much the answer is listings today, or if that's something that's sort of like. A, a generation removed now a little bit. And yeah. so for, for younger folk coming up, I wonder if it's the same uh, sort of like, oh, I want to just scan for these things. Mm-hmm. I want to scan to see if I can find uh, something that jumps out off the page uh, for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. You remember when the paper, when the weeklies were, you know, like 56 pages? Yeah. <laughs> the 8 to 11 of those pages were pure listings. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and the at, at that time, the listings were unpaid. You know, and we're talking event listings. We're right, not talking right. about, like, people who buy classified for a garage sale or something right. like that. Different ad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> different, sort of, different sort of thing. Yeah. These were, these were just, like, pure event listings. And, you know, I mean, you will still do the season. I think, but will people hold on to that for the whole year? Do you need a hard copy? I don't right. know. These are these are the questions of this age. Yeah. Um, In any case, speaking of listings, yeah, all of you, all of you theater and dance companies and independent producers, you should just send us your stuff so that we can try and populate our listings database, which we're gonna, which we're gonna give Rehaul. a yeah, we're gonna give a shot <laughs> um to trying something yeah and and speaking of listings uh how about this week's listing the biggest thing obviously the shadow looming over this month is the edmonton fringe festival this year which has the theme of fringosaurus rex 
which runs August 16th to 26th around Old Strathcona and beyond, wherever the BYOVs will, will take us. Yeah, we're still planning that road trip for Mercury Opera, um, which is gearing up for their one-night-only presentation of Carmen at the Badlands Amphitheater Ooh. in Drumheller, and that's on August 4th. Um, yeah, and to just follow up on our listings conversation earlier, if you do want to send us your listings, you can get us get in touch with us on our website, idontgetityg.com, um, or you can email them to idgidance at gmail.com. Nice. One day we'll have an email that has our domain. <laughs> One day, but until that day comes. Later. All right, well, um, yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, go see some stuff. Bye. I Don't Get It is a member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or check us out on albertapodcastnetwork.com or the CKUA radio app. I Don't Get It is recorded on Treaty 6 territory in Edmonton, Alberta in the Edmonton Community Foundation's podcast studio. Our theme music is Mountain Time by Ghibli, and you can find more of Ghibli's music by going to ghibli.bandcamp.com. I Don't Get It is produced by Andrew Paul, Fonda Mithrush, and Paul Blinov. Sit here, thank you. I love you.